you allow him to turn the corner, mama, there goes that man. Puts up the shot. It's good. Kyrie Irving. Oh, if you don't like that, you don't like NBA basketball. Oh, boy. Welcome, everyone, to the First Pick Podcast, your source for NBA news-related content. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the First Pick Podcast. We are here on episode 12. Yes, we did take a small break, but it is well worth it because today we are having a longer episode because I was at NBA Summer League day one. I was there for the Victor Wimbenyama's like pivotal first game of his career. I watched school. I watched Amen Thompson Miller. I watched the Los Angeles Lakers, the Warriors. I basically watched all of day one. I was there. The atmosphere was insane. And I kind of want to give you guys an explanation of how it went down, what I saw from those players. And yeah, it's going to be super fun. Obviously, at the end, we're going to be going over some NBA news and rumors because obviously that's uh, stuff that we need to go over because we just haven't had an episode in in a minute. So I'm really, really excited to get started here. Without further ado, I think we got to talk about the headlines in Vegas. So one of the biggest headlines was Victor Wembenyama's debut. And on television, it averaged 1.3 million viewers on ESPN. Now, I don't think you guys understand the magnitude that this man had at Las Vegas this weekend, this past weekend. Everyone was there. Everyone was wearing a Victor Wembenyama jersey. Spurs fans were so beyond excited to watch their future superstar play. And I was excited too. Obviously, I just started this covering the NBA and I wanted to see what all the hype was about. And best believe it or not, you show up at the ticket office. That whole weekend was sold out. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were all sold out. Victor was scheduled to play, and you can just tell everyone was waiting for that game. But we did have other games before it. I walked into the arena a little late. Denver was still playing. They had just finished up their game, and I watched Scoot Henderson versus Amen Thompson which in all honesty, the game of the night. Scoot Henderson just straight out proved that he was a talent on the court. We're going to get a little bit into the stats later and kind of what I saw from every player individually, but Scoot Henderson is definitely the right pick for Portland. That is some type of insurance you get for Damian Lillard. That's probably out the door pretty soon, but Scoot Henderson, just a phenomenal talent. He's a big name. He wants the big lights on him at all time, and he just makes the right play, and the right play ends up looking like the best play. And Many times he has the ball in his hand. Amen Thompson also looked fantastic, just like his ability to drive to the rim and just kick out to shooters or, you know, it was summer league and he was still being a, a stud out there. My quota for Summer League has always been, it's always those guys that want to get theirs. You know, it's kind of like the G League on steroids. Guys that just want to go in there, score, and they don't really care about the outcome of the game as long as they get their points. And when I went with my group, I kind of told them, I look for players that make the right plays. And both Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson did just that. They just controlled the game at their own pace. They ran when they needed to, got people involved. They made the flashy play. They made the non-flashy play. And it just looked tremendous. And it looked like they were comfortable out there. Now, 
because we are talking about headlines, both Scoot and Amen did not end up finishing this game. Scoot Henderson was out that same game. I want to say around the third quarter, he didn't return due to a right shoulder strain. Uh, I kind of knew that. I kind of was surprised that they let Victor play the whole game and they even let him play Sunday. But Amen Thompson as well, but he's with a little more. He was a two to three weeks out with a grade two ankle sprain. I saw the whole play happen. He jumped up, landed really awkwardly, and he couldn't put really much pressure on it. But you just hope it's a grade two ankle sprain and nothing more, nothing to worry about, really. You hope that he's ready for training camp, but she should be able to, ready to go. Now, now that we got over the headlines, I kind of want to go over the top five picks and kind of their stats of the summer league so far. Number one is Victor Wembanyama. He didn't play in the California Classic with the Spurs. He played in two games at Vegas. The one game was pretty bad, to say the least. Let me pull up his stats. So Victor Wembanyama played two games. He played Friday. He played Sunday. And I was there for the Friday game. The atmosphere was unlike no other. Almost every seat was filled out. Like I mentioned previously, tickets were sold out. Everyone was there to watch Wemby. Anytime the kid touched the ball, everyone was just hoping he did something crazy. And it was just an amazing atmosphere to be in. It kind of felt like we were witnessing something special. And I feel like if we look 20 years from now, it will be looked at as a very special moment in his career. But it was a flop by Wemby, you know, and I am a very optimistic person, but he finished with nine points on two of 13 shooting. Granted, he had a ton of rebounds and I think he had like five blocks. So that was really, really good on that end. But you could just tell he was a little worried about the physicality at times. He would complain to the refs at points. He would grab the ball and then the moment he'd grab the ball, he'd get pushed and then he'd be on the ground or end up losing the handle. You hope that's something you can kind of work around because at the end of the day, you got Wemby because of his ability to be that skinny, but still take hits and be able to finish at the rim. So, you know, you hope you can tweak that a little bit, but he responded pretty well. I didn't go on Sunday, but he ended up being really, really good. He ended up dropping 27, 12 boards, three blocks, and he shot nine of 14 from the field. So one really good game and one not so good game, you know, and I feel like that's going to happen. You know, he's seven five. That's ridiculous. His height, his handle, his ability to shoot and play defense are beyond measure. But his frame, and I think I mentioned that when I was doing my mock draft, is just his frame is not all the way there. And I do think that at times he just lacks strength and it shows it showed a lot in that first game. And there's even moments where it showed a little bit in that second game. But you just hope with NBA training, it's going to end up being a lot better. But nevertheless, over Summer League, if you want to put his stats together, he averaged 18, 10, and 4. Which, if you look at that from just a box number point of view, great box numbers. Really, really good. I really like what he did right there in Summer League in those two games. Next is Brandon Miller, who has been playing a lot, actually, in Summer League. I'm actually really happy he played in the California Classic, and he even played in Summer League. Now, I tried to combine both stats, and it's still not looking really good. He's averaging 15 points and 6 rebounds, but the 15 points are on 38% field goal percentage. Now, these are the concerns I had with Miller. How can he affect the game once his shots aren't falling? And I think, I mean, he's doing a decent job. He's getting six rebounds, couple of assists. 
But there are times, especially in that Friday game, where Miller is just a catch-and-shoot player and there's not much else he can do. I need him to be able to grab the ball and look like a second overall pick. I need him to be those Brandon Ingram-Paul George comparisons where he can put the ball on the floor and still score at three levels. At times, it just looks like he's standing. And maybe that's just Summer League because his teammates don't pass him the ball when he's wide open. Playing next to Willamello Ball, it might open his game a lot more. But, you know, it, it's not really looking too nice efficiency-wise for Miller. But nevertheless, numbers-wise, it, it looks pretty nice, pretty promising. You just hope to get him around NBA talent, you know. Same with Wemby. You, both of those top two picks would really benefit playing alongside NBA talent. Uh, you can just tell there were times they were both open, both open on cuts, or they would set screens and then roll to the paint, and then no one would give them the ball at that point. So they need to have play with the true point guard and true system that benefits them and plays to their play styles. And I think they're both going into situations that allows them to do that. So I'm not really worried about that for them. These next two, though, I mean, I talked about them in the headlines portion of this pod. Scoot Henderson and Amen Thompson, just phenomenal. Really, really good. Henderson finished that game with 15, 5, and 6. I mean, just in those two and a half quarters that he played, it's just the pace, the the flashiness, the effectiveness, the efficiency was just everything was there. And you hope that that translates over easily to the NBA. But with Damian Lillard most likely out of the door in Portland, he's going to have the ball in his hands 98% of the time. And I mean, it's just... It's going to be the Scoot show, and I do think Portland's not going to be rebuilding for that long. This kid is really, really special. Probably should have been the second overall pick, but, I mean, I saw no flaws. I mean, maybe you want a better three-point shot, but he's working on it. His efficiency was good. He's rebounding good for his height. He's getting a lot of assists, and this was only three and a half games, so I'd assume he'd probably finish the game with 27 and nine, maybe. You know, like, just him playing, and I feel like, He's for sure a lock to average 15 and up his rookie year. And I would not be surprised if he ends as second in rookie of the year voting. I do think, I mean, I don't want to be so like, oh, pessimistic and oh, it's Wemby's only and that's it. But I feel like Wemby's kind of a lock just based off popularity. If he even has a semi good year, I think they'll give it to him unless Scoot ends up taking Portland to like the first seed in the Western Conference and averages 27 and like a bunch of random stuff i don't think that happens i do think scoot one day though could be an all nba caliber point guard that it was never a doubt i had that in my draft comparisons to him that's why i had him going second because i think he is the second best player in this draft but i mean it's nevertheless great showing for henderson next is a man thompson now i'm not rooting for anyone more harder than i am for the thompson twins uh, a man and a sore. Let's talk about a man first, though, for Houston. He left the game like around the fourth quarter with like, I want to say less than five minutes, but he had the arena buzzing as well. People loved his finishing. Every time he was going up to the paint and doing an acrobatic layup, there was oohs and ahs from the crowd. Everyone loved the men's game. They loved how he was a stat steep a stat sheet stuffer he had 16 four rebounds five assists three steals four blocks he was just everywhere he was given the extra effort diving on the floor for loose balls and once he gets some sort of jump shot going this kid is gonna be special now do i like what houston did getting fred van vliet to essentially start over a man probably not do i think a man can win him that role very quickly probably i do think so i think a man is going to be a really, really talented player. I just hope that they don't hinder his growth over there in Houston. Now, Wasar Thompson is just someone that I really do like his game. 
He had averaged 12, 8, 4, and 3. He's been playing in multiple summer league games. And, I mean, I just like the pace that the guys play with over there. Now, I don't like the team that's built around him. I think Detroit, they have a lot of selfish guys. I think there's a lot of times where Asar makes the pass, thinking he's going to get it back or thinking he's going to get the extra pass. And that just doesn't happen in summer league. Now, just because that doesn't happen in summer league doesn't think that'll happen in the next level. I do think Detroit will play with a better sense of basketball knowledge. I do think they'll make the extra pass if they want to win, right? You'd assume they make those extra passes. But just 12, 8, and 4, and 3 steals from your fifth pick, that's a lot that you can ask for. I really do like that, and I do think that Asor is just someone that you really do got to pay attention to, whether that is he becomes a all-star or a high-end role player or a high-end starter. I just really like his ceiling, and I really do like the Thompson Twins' game. Such a shame we couldn't see more of Henderson and the men, but nevertheless, they had to build in a rock in that game, and it's just it was just something truly fun to watch. Now, this is what we're going to be calling the stars in the summer, the points per game leaders in summer league so far, which is about two to three games. Leading all scorers is Jabari Smith Jr. at 35 and a half points per game. Now, I just I love this first Jabari. I mean, when I saw that game, Portland versus Houston, I just remember looking at my brother and the group I was with and I was telling them, he it was at halftime. He had three points, and I was like, "He's just not aggressive. Shots aren't falling. This is a bad look. I don't think he's gonna be that good." And then he shut me up pretty quickly. He ended up with I want to say around thirty points at the end of the half, second half, and he hit the best shot of the night. Point six seconds down by two, throws up a three, hits it. They end up winning the game. He hits a .6 buzzer-beating game-winning three-pointer. Insane. I really do. I really am happy for the kid. And I also really do think it's just great that he's out there at Summer League. You know, last year, third overall pick. Usually, if you're the top three pick, you're not in Summer League your second year. I mean, you're there for like a game or so, but no one really expects you to, you know, stay there and be committed and, you know, really commit to the team. No, Jabari said my team wasn't good last year. I had a really bad year. I want to be better. And he's come out here looking like the summer league MVP. His team is 3-0, looking to be 4-0 tomorrow. I do think that Jabari is just a really good talent. He has a tremendous amount of confidence. Hopefully, he takes this confidence, gets it into preseason and training camp. This confidence from preseason and training camp into the regular season. And we see a big leap from Jabari Smith Jr. I'm really, really excited to see what he does. Next, the second leading scorer at almost 30 points per game, we have Keontae George, the 16th pick from the Utah Jazz. He's just on one, honestly. We're going to talk about these guys' stats later. This is kind of just some more uh, base level of who's leading where. At rebounds, we got Reggie Perry averaging 14. We got KJ Williams averaging 13. We have for assists, J.D. Davidson averaging 10 for the Boston Summer League squad. We have for blocks, Victor Wembenyama. He still ended up leading them in blocks with four and then a men with four and then Chet with 3.5. Tari Eason, who had a dunk that was electrifying to the crowd that night. We had Steels, Jaden Ivey, Keon Ellis, Amanda Thompson, Jordan Usher, 
And I mean, it's just a bunch of guys that are hungry. And I, I really do like what's going on over there at Summer League right now. Next, I want to point out some standout rookies, some guys that I think, you know, are kind of stealing the spotlight. They weren't top five picks, but damn near they're getting it done like they were. Keontae George, as I just mentioned, he averaging 30 in Vegas. He struggled in the Utah Classic. He only averaged 14 and 8, but he went to Vegas. And just like everyone would double in Vegas in casinos, he's doubling it in Vegas. He's getting 30 and 8. So he's going from 15 to 30 and 4 to 8. And, I mean, you love what you're seeing from the guy. In about two years, Utah gave up Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. They got their Rudy Gobert last year in Walker Kessler, who is a defensive monster. And, I mean, obviously it's too early, but, I mean, just the confidence that this guy has. Keontae George averaging 30 and 8, a lot of assists, and still scoring efficiently 40% from 3 in Vegas. I mean... In my mock draft, that was my main thing with him. He's not scared of taking shots. And if he's hitting them or if he's making them, and if he's making them, he's looking like a real, real good player. And to get that value at 16, you know, Keontae George is a name that I think the Jazz are really going to love for years to come. I can see him playing so good to the point where he becomes their starting two guard. And then he's in that starting lineup with Laurie Marketing, Walker Kessler. And then they still haven't even played Taylor Hendricks. Them like, come on, man. Like, yeah, yeah. Keontae George is nice, and, and I do think that he is going to be a really good player in this league. Next is Leonard Miller, who I'm just so surprised fell to the second round. He's averaging 18, 8 rebounds and 2 steals for the Minnesota Timberwolves, and I think that's just tremendous value. You got to be mad at your agent at that point, man. You're a bona fide first-round talent. I had you picked in very high in my mock drafts. Every other mock draft had you picked in the first round. How'd you slip to the second round? That's just... Bad asset management by his managers, but I mean, I bet the Timberwolves are so excited to have him. Jared Vanderbilt replacement, to say the least. He's hitting three-pointers in summer league. He's playing confident. That G League prior year that he had is just really showing to its benefit, and I think he's going to be a immediate rotation player for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Really, really excited. Next is Cam Whitmore. Houston's somehow got him at number 20, and he's averaging 17-2-2. This is... Some of the best stats in Summer League. Now, I do think there were times in that game that I was watching. Obviously, it's just one game, so I'm not going to knock it on him. But where he just looked like he was too ball dominant. He wasn't doing anything else. He's just looking to score. But, I mean, it's Summer League. You want to prove he probably went out. It was his first NBA game. He wanted to prove all the people that passed on him wrong. But I think over time, he'll end up playing a really good game, more well-balanced. And I think Cam Whitmore, I mean, he was a top-five talent in this draft. And I think Houston just got a phenomenal talent. At 20, and I think they're ecstatic with their young core that they're going to bring into this season. They added Dylan Brooks, added Jock Landell, added Fred Van Vliet. And, I mean, I could really, really see if everything goes right. I could see a playing team right there. Jabari Smith is someone I did not expect to take this leap, but he's playing phenomenal in summer league. Cam Whitmore's playing really good. Amen Thompson's playing really good. You hope Jalen Green takes that next step. You add Fred Van Vliet, add Dylan Brooks' defense. Jock Landell is probably one of the most better backup centers in the NBA 
I really do like this year upcoming for Houston. Now, as we're kind of doing that little basic breakdown, we're going to be doing much bigger breakdowns for every NBA team. We're going to be going over what they did in the summer, what they can possibly add on to as they're finishing up their rosters, if they're in any trade rumors or anything. But I kind of want to give you guys just those episodes. We'll probably do one or two teams per episode, but be on the lookout for those. Recommend this to friends and stuff. I'm really excited to go over those team breakdown videos. I'm really, really excited. Now, this is the section called Returning for Revenge. This was something really, really fun that I decided to put together. There's seven players here, and all these seven players are either returning players as sophomores or guys that just didn't play in their first year, and they're showing out in this year's summer league. First of all, Jabari Smith Jr. I mean, how many much more times do I have to talk about this? He's probably the MVP of summer league. 35 points per game, game winner, 3-0, could be 4-0 as soon as tomorrow or today when this episode is coming out. Phenomenal talent, Jabari Smith Jr., really, really good. Next, we have Max Christie of the Los Angeles Lakers. Sophomore, he was their 35th pick overall last year, and he's showing out as well. He's averaging 17 points per game. He just finished today's game with the loss in Boston, but he had 24 points, so you're expecting that 17 to go up to maybe 18-19, but... I mean, the definition for him is consistency. He's been having multiple games where he's shooting high 90s in free throw percentages and 50% from three, 50% from the field, playing good defense, getting good rebounds. He's creating for himself, which is something that not a lot of people thought he could do last year. Last year, he was horrid efficiency-wise. He couldn't hit a shot to save his life, and now he's hitting them with ease, step backs, fadeaways, and he's playing at a pace that I really, really like seeing and immediate role player for the Lakers, I think. Next is Chet Holmgren. He played a couple games in Utah. He played uh, one or two games here in Vegas. And I mean, he's done nothing but impress. 14, 9, and 3. He is a Wembenyama clone, essentially, just a little shorter. He's efficient. He grabs rebounds. He gets blocks. You just worry about the frame, obviously. Next is Shaden Sharp, who has cooled down a bit since the start of Las Vegas Summer League. That first game against Houston, he was hitting some three-pointers that I was like, wow, I did not know he had this in this bag. He had a nasty dunk on Jay Huff that woke up the entire arena. There were moments in the arena where the game was just going back and forth. It was slow. No one was really paying attention. And then Shaden Sharp just gets the dunk of the day, and he dunks on top of Jay Huff. Jay Huff immediately goes to the bench. They don't even let him get back on offense. It was that bad of a dunk. It was really, really good. You can probably catch it on ESPN or YouTube somewhere. So, so good. Um, I mean, he's a highlight player, and he he's averaging 18 for a reason. He's getting to his spots. He's shooting comfortably. That first game, he was hitting some really tough shots. So I just think, I mean, with the youth movement that's going to go on over there in Portland, Scoot, Shaden, Anthony, those are just solid role players, solid those are just solid guys that you can start a rebuild with. Shaden and uh, Scoot are guys you can probably hope to become all-stars one day. And I wouldn't be surprised if Scoot or Shaden does at, at some point in their career. I really, really like them. Next is Dyson Daniel. He really didn't play a lot in his first year with New Orleans. But he's averaging 15, 8, and 7. He almost had another triple-double in the Summer League, which is something that's not really known in Summer League to happen a lot. Last time it happened was a couple years back. Remember, Lonzo made those normal in Summer League. But Dyson Daniels, his efficiency obviously is not really all the way there. But you're just happy he's taking the shots. He's getting the reps in. Eight rebounds, seven assists. That's not nothing to just overlook. That's hard to do. So you just hope that his efficiency comes along and then those stats just kind of stay the same. I really do like this for Dyson Daniels. 
Next is Jaden Ivey, another guy I'm surprised decided to come into summer league, 18-7-3. He's played in only a handful, couple of games, but, I mean, I like what I'm seeing. He's efficient. Um, he's kind of just out there getting his. He looks like a summer pickup game, but, I mean, hey, he's going to go play, and I'm really happy for the kid. Next is James Wiseman, a guy that I'm super, super surprised that he's in summer league. He's averaging 16-10. and 10. I just hope he sticks around in the league. I remember the James Wiseman hype was insane. He was mobile. He could shoot. And he just never has been really able to piece it together. Now, I do think that Summer League should be available to more players like James Wiseman. I think a guy like Killian Hayes should be in Summer League. A guy like Zaire Williams should be in Summer League. But I'm just happy for James Wiseman to be conscious enough to think, hey, I might need these reps. And I think that the more reps I get, the more Detroit thinks they need me in their system and he ends up playing for them. So I'm just happy that he thought about that and he ends up playing really, really good. 16 and 10 is is really hard in any league. So I think he's doing really good for these next couple of past games. Now that we went over Summer League, I went over the vibe over there. I went over kind of what I saw, the 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 pros and the cons of every player. And I kind of want to get back to the NBA. A ton of stuff has been happening, and I kind of want to give you guys my opinion on everything that's happening. We can't really start without, I mean, the number one rumor of the offseason, Damian Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers. Damian Lillard has decided to request a trade after years and years of being with Portland, he has finally decided that it's just not going to work out. They're going two completely different directions. Dame's getting older, wants to win championships. Portland, clearly going youth movement, drafted a point guard at number three. I think it's sad that it had to come to that point where Portland had to grab a point guard for them to be like, okay, yeah, we'll trade Dame. And even then, it was Dame that had to go up to them and be like, please trade me. I think Dame has earned the right to be traded to his preferred destination. I think there's two other names on this list that maybe you can trade them wherever they want. You don't really have to give them up to where they want to go. But I think Dame is the only player in the league that decided to stay with Portland, even though Portland has shown nothing of loyalty to Dame in return. And I think there will be outrage if he is not traded to Miami. I think if Dame, because... I mean, in case it's not obvious, Dame wants to go to Miami. Miami wants Dame. Portland does not like what Miami has to offer. Miami is the only suitor that's been actually trying to get Dame. Now, I do think the NBA world will be infuriated with Portland if they don't trade him to Miami, only because that is one of the most loyal people you've had in your locker room, in your organization ever. And you're going to, you're only looking out for yourself. Now, do I think that's what Portland wants to do? No. I think player and team personnel is beyond important in the NBA. Players see how teams treat their stars. If you treat someone wrong, the other players will take note and they'll just not see your team as a viable option to play for them. The Lakers were a prime example of this. Kobe Bryant. As great of a player as he is, his last year, he was suffering from injury. He was inefficient, but he's still a great. 
And the Lakers did right by him and they gave him a huge contract, which at the time was 24 million. And that is a big chunk of the salary back then. But the Lakers did it to pay homage to Kobe for all the times he may have taken a pay cut or everything that he's done for the organization. And they gave him that contract. They didn't care if they were going to lose. They just cared that they did right by Kobe. And you know, players took note of that. That's why the Lakers ended up getting LeBron. That's why the Lakers had Anthony Davis. That's why they, they're always linked to these stars because they've been known around the league to take care of their own. And I think Portland are playing a very dangerous game by not giving Dame what he wants. Dame obviously wants to go to Miami. Tyler Hero is a good piece for you. Now, do I think it becomes redundant with school? Anthony and Shaden, yes, it is. Make it a three-teamer, you know. Um, it's been rumored that it probably will need three teams to get Dame to Miami, but the Nets and the Spurs are completely available. Now, do I think that the Nets need a guy like Hero? I think it could be nice, him next to Macau and Johnson. I think it's a good trio. I like him more on the Spurs, though. He needs a guy like Wembenyama who can show up his defensive weaknesses you know Wemby can be there to block some shots when hero most more than likely gets uh blown by his defender i do like that fit over there now i do think it is wrong that portland is going to take the long road in this one they're going to do whatever is right by their franchise they're going to take however long they need to take to trade them and I just think the more they keep dragging this along, the more bad it looks on Portland. And I would not be surprised if this is brought up 10 years from now when Scoot Henderson decides to leave Portland just because of their inability to treat their stars right. You know, Dame has decided to stay with Portland and kind of tell them, build something around me. I can do this for the past five years. And they've done nothing but get Jeremy Grant and Kevin Knox on their roster to prove to Dame that they're trying to win. You know, that's just poor, poor management. I, I really don't like what they, they're doing over there in Portland. And quite frankly, I just hope that they trade Dame to his preferred destination. Next on the trading block is James Harden. Now, there have been conflicting reports. There have been reports that Harden and Philly remain on completely different levels of communication. There's been reports that people are thinking that Philadelphia have been telling people in Vegas if they waited out, that Harden could essentially run it back. And there's people that are saying Harden does not think they'll run it back, and he does want to get traded to the Clippers. Now, do the Clippers have the assets to get James Harden? If James Harden was on a non-winning team looking for a rebuild, yes, they do. But because the Philadelphia 76ers have Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid wants to win now. He is coming off an MVP. He is coming off never, never passing the second round. I don't think he wants to go backwards and it can get really ugly in Philadelphia if they have a really bad year this year. Now, do I think bringing back James Harden resolves all those issues and they make it past the second round? Probably not because they just added Patrick Beverly in free agency, kept almost the same core intact. They don't want to give Tyrese Maxey an extension. They still have Tobias Harris's contract. It's a mess over there. I don't think that Harden would be that difference maker. I don't think Patrick Beverly is that difference maker. But do I think Harden deserves to be traded to his preferred destination? Probably not. At this point, Harden is going on his fourth team in the past five years. If I just think back, it's Houston, Brooklyn, Philadelphia, and then whoever he goes with next. That's four teams, essentially. This is a guy that he just doesn't 
know what he even wants. He wants to compete for championships, but when the going gets tough, he doesn't show up in big moments. Obviously, he's a phenomenal talent. Do I think putting him on the Clippers wins them a championship? I think it puts them in semifinals contention. I think health is still something that is always going to be the biggest factor for them. Uh, you see players like Anthony Davis get a bunch of hate for being, you know, soft and not being able to sustain uh, a healthy season. But we have guys like Paul George and Kawhi who have not been healthy since they got to the Clippers. You know, adding James Harden to that, you're just adding, you're basically going three-star module, which it hasn't worked, you know. or I mean, we don't think it's going to work. So we just don't know what's really going to happen with them. But what do I think becomes the most likely scenario I think as of now, which is the second week of July, I think Harden ends up staying in Philly. I think there's no trade that materializes. I think there's no way that Philly, I think Philly wants to trade him. I just don't think Philly has anyone that wants him. And I think the only team that wants him is the Clippers. And I don't even think the Clippers really want him that much. I think the Clippers, I think if they wanted him, they would have already had him. This was announced back in July I want to say like first or second and it's second week, almost third week of July. And they still have not done right by James. I don't think this is happening. I think, I think we would have heard something a little more um, if it was to happen. You know, I think we would have gotten more reports saying that, oh, this is the trade package. This is what's happening. And we haven't gotten any of that, you know, so I just don't think that. Uh, James will be going anywhere. The last player that's name is actually most likely to be traded out of all these guys, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors. Now, when I was talking about my draft coverage, I did a small preview of Toronto, and I'll do another one here just in case you guys didn't hear that episode. Toronto is in no man's land. They lost Fred Van Vliet for nothing. There was talks about a Gary Harry, a Gary Trent extension. Nothing on that end. Um, they drafted Grady, which is a phenomenal shooter. They got Dennis Schroeder for their full mid-level exception. They re-signed Yaka Pertle to like an $80 million deal. They're in the middle of the Eastern Conference, and they're not going to win anything, and they're not going to win anything in the lottery. They're probably a playing team, but at that point, what good is a playing team? You're hindering the growth of Scotty Barnes. You're hindering the growth of OG. And I think that you're holding your players to this pedestal that no one else holds them to. I think Masai Ujiri's trade for Kawhi Leonard got to his head. I think he thinks that he can outwork every GM. Uh, There's been reports of him getting three or four first round picks for OG Ananobi. And he said no. I don't think you understand OG Ananobi is a max 20-point-per-game score, which is still good because he provides tremendous defense. But is he going to win you a championship? No. Can maybe one of those three or four first-round picks get you someone that can win you a championship? Probably in today's NBA. I think OG Ananobi is a phenomenal talent, as I just mentioned. But, yeah, just poor asset management over there in Toronto. And I think they're starting to realize that. And they want to do something to Pascal. I think Pascal is a phenomenal player. I think he had a good championship. And then the year after, he had a slow year. But then he came back the year right after and did really, really good. So, I mean, you kind of figure what he is. He's a 20 to 25 point per game scorer. He's efficient. He plays good defense. He's lengthy. He can ball handle really, really well. 
I just don't think that his fit with Toronto is making any sense anymore. Now there's been reports where they were going to trade him on draft night, but they ended up not doing it because Pascal basically said, I'm not resigning with any team that trades for me. I think Pascal needs to kind of grow up a bit. I think it's the NBA. It's a business. I think, yes, it's nice that you want to spend your career somewhere, but you want to spend your career somewhere where you're not going to win. You know, I don't think Dennis Schroeder and Grady are going to be the movement to you guys becoming a top six seed in the West. You just lost your starting point guard who actually won you a championship. And you got someone who is probably on the same level or probably just worse than him. I just think that he's in his own, you know, thinking that he's going to win. And I mean, I'm all for it. I all, I do love players that are loyal. That's why I, I love Dame. I love these guys that just stay with their teams. But I just don't think that Pascal will be doing any sort of good. Now, you hear the teams that are interested. You hear Indiana. You hear Atlanta. And just those two teams off the top of my head, those two teams, phenomenal. I think him and Indiana, they just got Obi Toppin. They just got Jarese Walker. But him next to a guy like Miles Turner and a guy like Tyrese and Benedict, that's a top six team in the East, probably even top four or five you know like that's really really good they were already a top playing team before Tyrese got hurt you had a guy that can average 25 a game next to him and you're adding Jarese and you're adding Obi and you're adding Bruce Brown who was their big get in free agency I mean what else can you expect Indiana could definitely be on the rise in that sort of a deal next we have the Atlanta Hawks now I do like that fit in Atlanta I really really do now they just traded away their starting power forward. Um, so they obviously have a glaring hole there. I do think though, what do they have that Toronto would want? For salary purposes, Clint Capella needs to be in the deal. So that's okay. But does Toronto want Clint Capella? Probably not, because Clint Capella and Yaka Perto are virtually the same player. Now, could you just look at Clint Capella salary relief so you get out of Pascal Siakam, you can do the same thing with Pascal. You can just let Pascal expire and then do a sign and trade with him next year. Do I think that's the smartest move? Probably not because I don't think Pascal will work with anyone in the sign and trade. So I just think that, you know, just as how Fred Van Vliet didn't help Toronto, I don't think Pascal's helping out Toronto. So I don't think that Atlanta is probably the best fit, but Atlanta doesn't make any sense trade wise. They have a bunch of other stuff. Unless you can. Send Clint Capella to a third team that needs a center. And then, you know, but that's a whole bunch of three-team trades are extremely hard in the NBA. They rarely happen. So it's just something that, you know, you just never know if it's going to work out. But nevertheless, those are three guys that are on the training block right now. If I had to put my money on someone that's getting traded before August, I'd probably put it on Pascal, then Dame, then Harden. I think out of all these three, as I just mentioned, Harden is probably the most likely to end up staying. But, I mean, we're going to be coming out with episodes, so I'll keep you guys updated on everything. I'll even keep you guys updated on the Instagram. Quick Instagram plug at the underscore first pick pod on the Twitter at capital TF first pick pod. We have that over there. So just whenever we have rumors, we'll throw those up there, interact with them, share them with your friends. Um, And yeah, so we'll keep you guys updated via those social media apps. Now, as we're kind of finishing this podcast, uh, there's been a couple more news regarding free agency. Free agency is already wrapping up, but there's just some names that we need to keep an eye out for that are still out there and can still make an impact on a on a team. Um, obviously, 
I probably should have started the NBA news with this, but I don't think I needed to because it was kind of obvious. But LeBron James is not retiring. He's playing season 21 with the LA Lakers. Do I think it's his last season with the Lakers? We'll figure that out and we'll talk about that on the pod when we get there. But I think I don't think anyone thought this was up for debate. I think he just brought that up because he was just thinking out loud when they got swept by Denver. And uh, yeah, I think I, I think it goes without to say this, but I just kind of wanted to include it for you guys who hadn't heard that. He announced it today on the SPs at ESPN. But back to the NBA free agency news. We have Isaiah Thomas, John Wall, and Harry Giles. Those are some guys' names I haven't heard in a minute, but they were among few NBA players who had free agent workouts last weekend in Las Vegas. Now, are these guys impactful players? I think out of these three, maybe Harry Giles. Harry Giles is still young. He was a top recruit when he was in college. Top recruit coming out of high school. He's really close with Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum advocated for multiple two-way contracts so Harry Giles can get a spot. I think Harry Giles could definitely make an NBA training camp roster this year. I wouldn't be surprised. John Juan, Isaiah Thomas, you know. 2016 was a fun time, right? (laughs) I think Isaiah Thomas, I love his story. Everyone that I've told his story about loves it from the last pick in the draft to probably multi-time all-star, 20-plus point per game, 5-9, defying all the odds. I love his game, but, I mean, I think he has to accept the role, and I think he does want to accept the role, but I think even then, the role that you want him to play is just not going to help you for winning basketball. You'd want him to be someone that doesn't play, someone that maybe plays in every 20 games, maybe gets around like max 20 minutes in those 20 games, you know. And I think, you know, he's a great player. I think he'll maybe make a preseason roster just like John Wall. But John Wall has a, has a little more going for him. But, I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to come off like a hater. I think if Isaiah Thomas and John Wall – were to become solid bench pieces, great. I'm all for it. I just question if that's a real possibility. You know, um, you look at all the players that are playing in, you know, undrafted, and they're super good. You know, this undrafted free agency is really, really good. These second-round guys from the draft, really, really good. Isaiah Thomas and John Wall would only be taking away opportunities from those guys. But do I think they can win out some of these guys? Definitely. I, I definitely think so. So I do think they'll end up being on a preseason roster. Do I, If I had to put my money on these three guys who will be on the NBA roster come opening night, I think you can probably look at John Wall as that option. Maybe Harry Giles and then Isaiah Thomas. You know, it was a couple of teams were in attendance. It was in Vegas. A lot of personnel was already in Vegas, so it didn't hurt to go, you know, check these guys out, see what they were looking like. You know, you got you, we saw footage of Harry Giles's uh free agency workout. He looked mobile. He looked I mean, he was going to be a decent NBA player, but he had a lot of injuries and he wasn't able to sustain a good, healthy, long stretch. So I do think if he fixes those up, he can end up being a productive NBA player. So I do like that for, you know, those three guys now now three names that are just still free agents for i don't know what reason kelly Oubre jr christian wood and pj washington pj is a little different he is a restricted free agent and if you guys watched my free agency preview video restricted free agency is just something that's really hard to deal with um you can offer him a contract but he'll just end up signing with the team that 
probably his. That's probably what's happening. Teams probably are interested, but they want to throw him a contract and they know that he's going to Charlotte. So they don't want their money tied up. We just saw that with Matisse Thybulle. He signed an offer sheet with the Dallas Mavericks, full mid-level exception, three years, and then Portland just ended up matching it. So, I mean, even if Matisse really did want to go to Dallas, Portland was going to match it regardless. So I think that's what's happening with PJ. I think he ends up with Charlotte. But Kelly Oubre and Christian Wood. Christian Wood is not returning to the Mavs. A return for Kelly Oubre in Charlotte is not out of the question, but I mean, these are two guys who I was thinking were going to get signed, you know, one of the first names in free agency. I had them both at the top of my free agency lists, both are around, you know, 15 to 18 point per game scores. They play really good offense. Kelly Oubre was even a 20 point per game scorer last year. Christian Wood was like 16 points per game. I'm just surprised you're not on an NBA roster. Now, Kelly Oubre's market has been developing really slow, as well as Christian Woods. So there's a real chance that both of these players take a veteran minimum. A veteran minimum means they can essentially sign with any NBA team anywhere because it just doesn't affect the salary. But So it can be a real possibility that Kelly Oubre and Christian Wood just sign with the Phoenix Suns. And the Phoenix Suns just become one of the best teams in basketball if they weren't already. But, I mean, names you need to keep an eye out for Christian Wood, the Lakers, Miami, Detroit. I think Miami, I think he's waiting to see what my, what happens in Miami because if they do end up getting Lillard, Christian Wood is a phenomenal fit. I think the Lakers are probably the front runners to get Christian Wood. I think there's a perfect role for him right there as either the starting or the backup center. He has Anthony Davis who can hide his defensive flaws. Um, he hits the three-pointer at a tremendous rate. I think he can easily just come in bet minimum and then leave next year and probably get a multi-year contract, multi-million dollar contract. Uh, Kelly Oubre, same thing. I don't think he goes to the Lakers, Miami, or Detroit, but I do think he can go to a team that needs wings, that needs, I think a perfect team could be like the Denver Nuggets. They just lost Bruce Brown. I think Kelly Oubre can come in there, hit shots, play decent defense, build up his value, and then like Bruce Brown, go get a contract next year. Um, will he get the 20 mils that that Bruce Brown got? Probably not, but I mean, it never hurts to try. So I think those two guys are going to sign hopefully soon, hopefully before August. They're kind of holding up the rest of free agency, but these trades really did slow everything down. So we're just really hoping to get a full gauge of what's going to be happening. And we'll hopefully have a better understanding once we start these team breakdowns. And I'll be going through them alphabetically. So... I'll start with the Atlanta Hawks, and then I'll kind of go down from the list from there, and then each team will have their own episode. Um, But yeah, I'm super excited for that. hope you guys really did enjoy that news and rumors portion of this podcast. And I do want to start the ending of this show. So thank you guys so much for listening to the First Pick Podcast, episode 12. We're going to be calling this one Summer League News. Um, I'm really happy that you guys have been sticking with me. I've been seeing the growth of the podcast and I'm really happy. Uh, Some people over there in Vegas, um, I was able to tell them about my podcast. And then, you know, because it was summer league and everyone was seeing each other, I would have some people come back and tell me that they've, they've heard my show or they've seen it around, you know, so I'm actually pretty happy about that. I really do appreciate you guys giving me a listen. Remember, share this podcast, subscribe, give it a five-star rating on Spotify, on Apple Music, on SoundCloud. Please subscribe and then hit that subscribe button on YouTube and those notifications so you guys can be notified whenever I drop an episode. I really do appreciate you guys once again for taking this ride with me and 
you know, we're not going anywhere anytime soon. I'm going to keep out giving you guys content for the NBA. You know, a lot of people think that this is kind of the boring time in the NBA, you know, July, you got to wait, you got to wait till preseason, but you know, we're going to be giving out content, you know, team previews, player movement. We're going to be covering over all of that. So make sure to also follow the socials, follow the Instagram at the underscore first pick pod we're going to be posting daily polls up there now nba news and stuff like that so please be as interactive as possible i'd really do appreciate that share the account with a friend so you know let them know that they got to give a follow also make sure to follow us on twitter at capital tf first pick pod make sure to follow that as well or you can just hit the link tree in the instagram and it should give you the links to everything from spotify to apple Podcasts to youtube to twitter just make sure to hit those and i would really do appreciate it thank you guys so much for listening and it's been a pleasure peace